From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm Amanda Icone. This week, we're talking about tax sharing agreements, California style. Decades ago, California cities came up with a new tool to attract or keep businesses in job-hungry communities. However, these tax sharing agreements took needed tax dollars away from local communities, padding the pockets of consultants and profitable companies like Apple instead. I'd like to bring in Bloomberg Tax's state news editor, Jeff Harrington. Jeff, you worked closely with Laura Mahoney, one of our staff correspondents, on a series of stories exposing how this tool has evolved over the years. Tell us, how has it changed? In what way has it evolved? Well, as you mentioned, this started out and was intended to be an economic development tool. Corporations promised to bring a distribution center, or in some cases even a headquarters, into a small city, typically in Southern California, and in return they would get a slice of the local sales tax that was collected year after year after year. Uh, The payments to companies would come out of the one percentage point local increment of California's 7.25% sales tax, so it added up to quite a bit of money over time. Tell us more about the reporting itself, the scope, the scale, and did you know early on where it would lead you? Uh, no, not really. Uh, this started out with a broad brush. You know, we heard about some well-known companies with tax-sharing agreements in certain cities, and we went seeking their data through calls, emails, and public record requests. Uh, some, like the city of Cupertino, were reluctant to give any information at first. Uh, some still are reluctant. In terms of the stories themselves, we initially split this into two stories, one on the tax-sharing agreements and then a second story that profiled a consultant who profited mightily from this. And then eventually there was a third story about Apple itself, and there's more to come. Here's Jeff's conversation with Laura about her investigation, what she uncovered in Cupertino and other California cities, and the reaction from state lawmakers. Laura, how did you first learn about the nature of this tax-sharing program and its implications? I have heard about these arrangements over the years, and I never really dived into them. Um, But when I saw a bill had been introduced in February to ban them, I thought it was a good time to dig in. They're really a a twist on a quirk in California sales tax law in which one cent of the seven and a quarter cents we all pay in sales tax on an item goes back to a city uh, based on where the transaction took place And the cities have been leveraging that one cent to say, hey, maybe we can give some of this back to um, some retailer or company that would be willing to locate within our borders in exchange for doing that. And I understand some localities were more reluctant than others in disclosing details of the financial arrangements. Uh, Can you describe how you got the data and analyzed it? Sure. Uh, I got a wide range of responses from the cities that have these deals. Some of them gave me everything. So they told me how much they were paying the companies that had struck these deals to locate or assign sales within their borders. Um, They gave me invoices. They gave me all kinds of information that showed how these calculations were made and how much the payments were every quarter. Um, Others said they're not, this information isn't public at all. And they declined to release any of it to me. Some of them had second thoughts and then did release some of that data. Um, 
for example, Cupertino at first said that the information was confidential because it involves taxpayer information. Um, but they did end up realizing that, it, deciding that it was public because these payments are approved in, by the city council every month as part of their uh, their checks that they issue to anyone that they have to pay. And um, so these check ledgers showed over the years all of the payments that went to Apple. And so Cupertino handed over about 6,000 pages of check ledgers that went back to um, the late 90s that we had to comb through and find the pieces of information that were relevant to our story. Um, And once we were able to do that, we could total up what Cupertino had paid Apple over the 20-year period. Um, So it's been a real, um, it's been a crapshoot, basically, to find out which city's going to say that they believe that they should release this information and which ones say that they don't have to. So in the case of Apple that struck that deal with Cupertino way back in 1997, can you talk a little bit about what happened with that agreement and what it translated to in, in uh, tax revenue over time? In 1997, Apple was on the brink of declaring bankruptcy, and it is kind of the, it reached the granddaddy of all of these agreements. It was seems to be the first one ever. And in that agreement, Apple decided it would stay in Cupertino in exchange for Cupertino giving it half of all of the sales tax revenue that Apple was bringing in on sales to businesses within California. And that agreement has stayed in place over the years, even as Apple has become you know, the world's most valuable company, the largest electronics company in the world. Um, and a few years ago, they did cut it back so that now Apple gets only 35%. 35 cents instead of um, 50. Um, But over time, this agreement has added up to about $70 million that Cupertino has given back to Apple to keep its headquarters in Cupertino. So to be clear, under the Apple scenario, for every dollar in local taxes that were collected, 35 cents would go back to the the, uh, corporate company, right? Right. Yeah, so Cupertino keep 65 cents and 35 cents goes to Apple. Can you elaborate on how disclosures vary from city to city in what they were telling you? Was it based on a FOIA request? They were uh, declining to disclose some of their financial data or what reason were they giving? I filed requests under the California Public Records Act, which is similar to the Federal Freedom of Information Act, asking for records that showed how much the cities were paying each of these, giving back to each of these companies. And um, some of the cities uh, were very forthcoming and turned over all the records that they had. Others said that because this was, they claimed that it was confidential taxpayer information under the state revenue and taxation code. And that by telling me how much the cities were giving to the companies, it would uh, allow me to figure out, for example, how much each of these companies were uh, had in revenue each quarter or other kinds of confidential information that is typically not something anyone has a right to, to have. So are there any other corporate deals that, that stand out as well? Yes. Best Buy 
has a deal with the city of Dinuba. And Dinuba couldn't be more different from Cupertino. It's a small agricultural town in the Central Valley of California. And it has high unemployment rate. And in a Best Buy warehouse located there in 2009. But in 2016, the city reached a deal with Best Buy in which it would keep its warehouse there and assign all online sales throughout the state to the city of Dinuba. And in exchange for that, uh, Dinuba gives Best Buy about half of the sales tax revenue it brings in every year. So anyone who buys something um, online at bestbuy.com in California pays sales tax on that item. Um, one cent of that, no matter where they live, one cent of that sales tax goes to the city of Dinuba, and then Dinuba gives about half of it back to Best Buy. In your reporting, you mentioned several other companies as well, like QVC. Just how many deals are there out there and how many companies are involved with this? It's hard to know exactly how many of these are out there. There's no central place that's tracking them. But city people who specialize in city government tell me that out of 482 cities in California, about 10% of them have these agreements. Other companies include QVC, Robertson's Ready Mix, which is a major cement company, Ulta, Macy's, and Shaw Industries. And they're scattered around the state, but a lot of them are focused are centered in Southern California. And the program was originally designed to help communities that were struggling, right, that needed to create jobs. Was that the, that was the initial intent? Yeah, the idea is that these, this is an economic development tool that these cities can use to bring in jobs and help their bottom lines so that they have, they have more revenue, they have more jobs, they can provide more services, and a lot of the cities view these as a win for everybody, even though they're giving back a piece of what they would be able to keep to the companies. One of your stories highlighted attorney Robert Sandejas, who was a consultant on several of the big agreements. What was his involvement with this? Mr. Sandejas was a longtime consultant and lawyer to a lot of different cities. Um, this quirk in the law means that a lot of cities argue with each other about who should get how much of this one cent that is charged on uh, all purchases. And so he was brokering a lot of these uh, disputes between different cities and advising them. And in that capacity, he approached several, has approached several cities and said, hey, I've got um, a retailer or a warehouse a company in my back pocket and I can bring them to you um, to locate in your city and in exchange for that you can cut a deal where you give part of that money back to the company and then I will also get 20% 30% of that um, that amount every year myself. And so the way that these deals are structured is that they last for multiple years, 20 years, 40 years. I think the longest one I found was 41 years. And so in over the length of the those agreements, um, the city takes in the money, it gives, say, half of it to the company. And then um, out of the money that the city still has, it gives another 20% to Mr. Sandejas in perpetuity. 
So he's getting quarterly checks from, for example, Dinuba um, that add up to millions of dollars over time. We haven't seen the final chapter of this yet. What's happening now in the state legislature? There are two bills that are pending. One, as I mentioned, would ban these agreements going forward. Um, A second bill would impose many more disclosure requirements on them. For example, they would have to, if if a city were going to enter into one of these agreements, they would have to say how many jobs, what the salaries would be, uh, what if they have any plans for automation, what, how are they going to accommodate those workers. It's a lot. And that bill is uh, backed by a lot of labor groups that are interested in uh, the working conditions and perhaps uh, organizing in these warehouse facilities. Both of those bills are very close to reaching the governor's desk. Um, and in the next couple of weeks, we could see final votes on those bills uh, and they could go to Governor Newsom's desk by September 13th when the session ends for the year. He would then have a month to decide whether to sign or veto them. Um, so there's a lot of uh, last minute action on these in the next few weeks and we'll find out what happens and whether either of them will become law. If they do get signed, they would take effect in January. Would either of the bills impact the uh, corporate deals that you've discussed so far? No, they would not. Both of the bills allow existing agreements to remain in place. They would affect all future deals. So in the one case, they would be banned going forward. No more could be adopted. And in the second case, any future agreements would require greater disclosures. For example, how much tax revenue they're expecting to get, how many jobs they're expected to bring in. They would also have to disclose any other state or federal tax subsidies that those companies are getting so that the cities can really see and the public can see the whole range of subsidies that may be coming in on on a specific project or a specific company's location. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Laura. Thank you. And here's some of the week's tax and accounting news. You can find these headlines and more at news.bloombergtax.com. KPMG is officially searching for its next CEO and chairman. Lynn Doty has said she will not seek a second term leading the big four accounting firm. She made headlines in 2015 when she became the first woman to lead the firm. But the announcement comes more than two months after KPMG agreed to pay $50 million to settle SEC charges that a group of partners and staff conspired to cheat on the firm's annual regulatory inspection. This scandal overshadowed Doty's tenure. The UK, Canada, Australia and the Netherlands are following the lead of the IRS when it comes to cryptocurrency enforcement. The five countries are sharing notes, tracking techniques and, most importantly, data, as tax authorities look to crack down on crypto cheats. The increased cooperation is expected to make it tougher for taxpayers to keep their crypto transactions a secret from tax agencies around the world. And check out our Insights tab, where tax and accounting professionals weigh in on a variety of issues, including this week, the Sprint and T-Mobile merger. Tax advisor Robert Willens explores the unusual structure of the pending deal and the tax law that could create hurdles for the merger. That's it for this week's edition. We're taking a break next week to enjoy the Labor Day holiday, but we'll be back soon with more tax and accounting conversations. From Washington, I'm Amanda Icone. 
Suspending the Rules is Bloomberg government's weekly deep dive into what's happening on Capitol Hill. As is often the case with suspension bills, there's something of a theme behind them. Every Monday, BGov reporters and legislative analysts preview the week in Congress. This would be a rejection of what the Trump administration called for. And break down the biggest bills on the agenda. Autonomous vehicles are going to know everything about where we go and what we're doing. You can listen and subscribe to Suspending the Rules wherever you get your podcasts. Find more information at about.bgov.com.